0: Hi, I'm Erin Hartz. Welcome to Grace Plus Boundaries, a weekly memoir in a podcast. I've realized through the past decade of my recovery that I learn the most about emotional maturity through listening to the triumphant stories of others. Are you yearning to unpack the effects of intergenerational trauma in your life? Do you want to stay true to your feelings yet also learn how to accommodate the sensibilities of your loved ones? I'm dedicated to cracking the code of combining boundary setting with grace towards one another. Educate, evaluate, and evolve. Let's do this together. welcome back. Thanks for coming back for another episode. I'm so glad you're sharing this few minutes with me and listening. Thank you for being here. So I hope that I give you some yummy tidbits today. And I'm going to be talking about my exiled loving part and I got to meet a little part of myself. I practice the internal family systems therapy with my therapist, and it's kind of like parts therapy. And so I'm going to be talking about that today. But first off, I have a question for you. So how long has it been since you've leveled up? I've been feeling like this last month, right before the new year, I all of a sudden got to like a leveling up point. Have you ever been in a place like that before? It feels like all of a sudden I'm just like, all of a sudden I'm in a new spiritual realm. It's like I got a little bit deeper into myself all of a sudden. Like I'm making progress. I took a leap forward and I'm trying to like retrace my steps like, ooh, how did that happen? Like, yes, I love it when that happens. How did that exactly happen? And I think it came from... Well, me wanting to make some changes creatively and wanting to move forward with this podcast and going to the next step of what I'm going to do next for it. But I had this hour and a half long session with a friend of mine is becoming a life coach. And so um, in December, she asked me if I'd be willing to meet with her on zoom and do like a life coaching session so she could practice because she's supposed to do a certain number of uh, practices before she actually goes and makes money on her own doing life coaching so she does this particular program and um, I said sure it sounds like fun and um, so sh- she did she did an awesome job it was really it was really deep at one point she even asked me to call somebody and say something to them and I declined to do that at that moment. I really didn't want to, um, which is okay. I'm still kind of wondering about that. Maybe I should have done what she asked. But then she got to this point where she was kind of showing me this diagram and talking about how am I in my circle of comfort or to for us to be able to grow, we need to go out of our circle of comfort and, you know, like everybody knows this, but the way she was able to explain it to me in that situation, and it took like an hour for us to get to that kind of main point, and she had like a diagram, and I'm a pretty visual learner, so kind of seeing the diagram she had, and it really made me deeply think about how I really thought I was moving out of my circle of comfort by doing this podcast, by doing other things in my life. And sometimes I do. Like, I've definitely pushed the envelope and tried to become my authentic self. But she showed me that I needed to do more, that I really was still very much in my comfort zone on things. And the only way we're going to learn and grow is to kind of move into that unknown space. And so, kind of set me on this trajectory. I ended up signing up for this new mentorship program with someone I like that I follow online. Um, And it cost a good chunk of money and I just went for it. And then in that program, two of the things she says that she recommends that we do, and we don't have to if we don't want to, is one of them is to let go of toxic people at least for six months in your life. So there was one person in my life that I just decided I'm not going to reach out to for six months. And that's been better. And then the other thing was that she said um, we can choose not to date for six months or no hookups, no nothing like that. So no no uh, sexual anything going on and not that I would have done that anyway but I would have probably been on some dating app scene if I would meet anyone and so I've closed the door on that for six months and I would not have guessed that that would have freed up so much energy in me but it's like I closed up the leak you know and so All of a sudden, I had more creative energy, I felt safer, I think, and um, so this is me looking back, right? I had no idea that these gifts were right around the corner, and all I had to do was let go and take a leap of faith into doing some new things, but here we are. I'm here, and I'm in this new spiritual experience, and the thing I wanted to tell you about had to do with um, my ex-husband, actually, and about my loving part of myself. So a few weeks after I took some of these leaps of faith, I was feeling really happy in my life. I, I'm i really focusing on just really enjoying the things that I have, and, and I love my job for the most part. Like, you know, no job is perfect, but it's really good. I love what I do. I, I My students have been really great this year, and um, I've had A couple challenges, but this semester so far it's been pretty awesome, and I'm just really I'm digging it. You know, I was pretty happy, and this one morning I woke up, and I had this feeling in me that I hadn't felt. I it had been a really long time, and it was kind of a feeling of love. And then I remembered I must have had some kind of dream about my ex-husband in some form. I didn't remember what it was, but I woke up remembering how much I used to love him. That was actually really vulnerable for me to share a few weeks ago when I talked to a friend. I think I started crying the first time I said it because for seven years I've been in this mode of like leaving an abusive partnership and leaving an abusive person. I had really shielded myself from feeling this part of me that loves my ex-husband. And I remembered how much I do love him or how much I did love him. Like I knew him since high school, you know, and we were off and on since we were sophomores in high school. And um, those two years before we got engaged, we really had a wonderful time. I remember thinking back then, "Wow, he's really changed. you know, he's really become the man I always expected him to be and um, you know, after we got engaged was when when things started going downhill again, and then I didn't want to believe that that was true. but like for those few years that it life was really good when he and I first lived together. I was really happy he was at his best um and then you know the first few years we were married to there there were mostly happy times. It was just that there would be kind of like the abuse cycle that would kind of go through us and it seemed to be about like once one week out of every month things would be very rocky and it as the relationship grew and moved on it seemed like that became more and more frequent that we go through that kind of cycle of abuse of like The honeymoon period, and then kind of revving up to maybe there's something going on, and then some kind of major outburst from him, and then you know, me feeling sad, and then him apologizing, and then you know, him not changing, but me believing that he was going to and believing his words, and then getting into the honeymoon phase again, and yada yada, you know, the cycle repeats. So, when I was in that though, most of the time, I was in a lot of denial. I really thought that I was pretty happy in my relationship. And so I can look back and think of all the things I did love about him and all the times that we did have a good time together. And being able to remember that is I feel like really a, a landmark on my journey because to me it means that I'm finally feeling safe enough and secure enough that I can let that part come forward, that little part of me that loves and that wants to be loved. And for seven years, I've kind of kept her shielded and hidden away. And my therapist would call it, I exiled her, right? She has been not part of the rest of the system. She has been kind of shunned by my other parts because maybe she was the one scapegoated or or denied because she was the one that got us into this mess, maybe is what the other parts of my body think. And so she's been under lock and key, you know. And so it's kind of like my heart has been under lock and key. And it makes sense, though, that that part of me was so vulnerable. And so it's so immature, that it's not a part that I felt safe enough to come out until now. So I'm feeling this part of me and it's very beautiful. It's like, oh, there you are, little one. A couple months ago, I did an episode about am I desperate? And this is exactly the answer to that question that I was looking for. So as I talked to my therapist about this, and this is like the internal family system stuff, right? So this part of me, that loving part of me um, that I've just totally ignored for years, she doesn't know my other parts because she's been in her total little cocoon bubble shielded area there. I haven't let her come into my system, and so therefore she's still an immature part, and so my therapist says I need to ask her how old she is and get to know that part of me, and she is the one, I'm assuming, and we are saying if we're using this type of therapy, she is the one that is acting out, and she is the one that's attracted to these old patterns that I knew from my childhood in other partners. So I feel like she's the one that has come out when I feel attracted to these people that are kind of hot and cold and a little bit emotionally immature. um, I see it so clearly now. And that's that question when I said, am I desperate? I think this is that part of me that makes me feel like I'm immature and like a child. And am I desperate? Like she's very desperate because she doesn't feel loved. Obviously, like my body has totally ignored her for years, you know, and she when she maybe gets so frustrated or I don't know how you talk about that in parts language, but when she acts out, that is when I'm doing behaviors That I'm embarrassed about that don't feel like the rest of me. So what my therapist says and what I'm sharing with you guys is that now I'm trying to bring that part into me and accept that part and get to know her and try to get integrate her into the rest of my family system because she needs to know all those other parts of me so that she can grow up and so that she can mature and so I have to do some inner child healing there and do some journaling and get to know what's going on with that part and listen to her. What does she want to tell me? You know, how does she feel? Um, So it's a little bizarre, this type of work, right? Um, But I really believe in it. And I think it's so cool the way it just makes sense, the way we can think of things that happen to us in terms of these parts that are kind of exiled or shunned or ignored by the other more mature parts that want to keep me safe and secure. When it comes to leaving an abusive relationship, any relationship is hard to leave, especially when you have a kid. But when you're in an abusive partnership, it's even harder to, to leave because you and that partner are basically addicted to each other and our brain chemicals are what we're addicted to. I was definitely addicted to that. I think it's dopamine that comes or maybe it's um, oxytocin that comes when you're feeling close to your partner or when you're having sex with someone you love and you get that hit or even sex with someone you don't love. Um, you still get that hit of oxytocin. And that's why it's so dangerous to have orgasms with people that you don't love. Because as a woman, we are going to get that oxytocin hit and then that bonds us to that partner. And so if we're in that abusive relationship, it's even stronger. And so basically to get out of that, we have to, it's like we're leaving behind a drug and it's our own mental drugstore going on there. It's our own body response. It's not even a drug we get on the streets. It's already in our body, which is so fascinating to me and sad and scary. Um, but amazingly, with support, we can get away from this. And um, I'm glad that I'm showing progress, you know, and this little part of me that's loving, you know, it kind of makes sense. Like, no wonder I haven't been able to fall in love again. No wonder my healthiest relationship that was last year, I really wasn't accessing love. You know, I thought maybe it was because of the person and that could be true. But it also was like that little part of me that loves was not available. I was hiding that part of me because it was so scared that it was going to be hurt again. So now that she's coming out again, I'm going to do a lot of work these six months when I'm not dating um, and just let life go by. But maybe by in six months, maybe she'll be a little healthier. Maybe it will be easier for me to feel love towards another person. I know I've said for years, like, I can't imagine getting married again. You know, I want to have a partner, but I don't know if I would actually want to get married. But maybe that was just my myself without that loving part of me talking I don't know so all right well that's what I've been thinking about today let me know what you think you can always find me on Instagram or join my group survivors of trauma unite on Facebook I'd love to have you okay take care survivors bye-bye you deserve a big high five and a smile in the mirror for showing up for yourself today Thank you for your dedication to introspection and self-awareness, because our personal evolution is what will make this world a better place. If you enjoyed the episode, please give me a five-star review and share it with a friend. And let me know if you want to be a guest to share how you are navigating intergenerational trauma in your life. You're welcome to join my free monthly goal-setting workshop on the first Wednesday of every month. Just DM me at Erin.